going, everybody? Dieter Kurtenbach joined by Mark Medina. We are here in Houston, Texas, following a fascinating game four and a brand new series that we got on our hands here between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Rockets take game four, 112, 108. We'll break it down here in a moment. First, we got to tell you all about the Clay deal. Clay Thompson did not have a good game tonight. We will talk about that in depth here in a moment, but uh, you can have a good night by signing up for the Clay deal. That is 11 cents a day for 11 months. We keep telling you about it because it's still a great deal and you got to get on it. You're hitting that paywall, wondering what's going on with this series. I got a good answer for it. It's the Clay deal. Uh, you should get on that. And then if you have not already, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Warriors HQ podcast. Mark, boy, uh, that was that was a mess. That was a mess of a basketball game. The Warriors almost steal one here uh, in game four, they have played poorly in both of their games here in Houston, and now we go into a best-of-three series effectively, and the Warriors have home court advantage, but uh, they could have put this thing away in four, and instead it looks like it's going the distance. Yeah, and it, the thing is the Warriors still had a chance to win it. That uh, The final play really didn't have anything to do with it. You know, maybe Kevin Durant or Steph Curry can force overtime and salvage an ugly game, but – from top to bottom, they did not play well. Outside of Kevin Durant, who's been continuing his uh, pretty good play after maybe a little bit of a slow f start, but getting himself going, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were not playing well. I think they combined from what five and nineteen or five of twenty from deep. Clay Thompson especially did not play well, getting in foul trouble, not shooting the ball well, not really doing anything well, and then. They were out-rebounded once again, and they allowed the Rockets to punk them and play physical against them. And you're not surprised to hear the Warriors talk about how, you know, they're still confident. They've been through this before. They remember last year's run against the Rockets. The series is tied 2-2, so they're not losing anything. They have home court advantage. All those things are valid, but it definitely does have a different feel with the complexion of this series. And there is a tendency to overreact game to game of definitive things, but it seems like as the series has gone on, the Rockets have gotten substantially better and the Warriors have gotten substantially worse. Well, you have to credit the, the Rockets for bringing it on their home court. And home court whistle is a thing. The Warriors got it in game one of this series. Uh, game two was an exceptionally officiated game. Uh, and the Rockets have been allowed to play the physical brand of basketball that they want to play. They're bullying the Golden State Warriors right now. Steve Kerr said after the game, I thought this was an incredibly telling quote. It was so good that I, I was kind of angry that I, I didn't think of it. Is the, the Rockets are filled with middle linebackers and we're a bunch of volleyball players. Yeah, and this series looks like it's being played as football. I mean, this is, this is a big problem for the Warriors. We... We'll get into the, this long laundry list of injuries that they have, but this series has now devolved into a war of attrition, and I don't think that that's a negative statement much in the way that, you know, I was kind of going <laughs> cataclysmic. I was, I was losing my mind about, the, you know, the way that the Rockets played in game one. This is different. This is just a team, as you said, punking another team. I don't know if the Warriors are, are capable of winning a battle if this is the way that the, the, it's going to go down for the next three games. So, uh yeah, the entire tone and, and timber of the series has changed dramatically, and now the Warriors have to do something that they did not do all year, which is defend home court. And it, adding a little bit of intrigue, if they don't defend home court, it might be the last time they play at Oracle Arena. I mean, this, this series has turned absolutely on its head, and all the Warriors had to do was come in here and win one of two very winnable games, and they win the series. 
I mean, they win it either in a sweep or they go up back to Oracle 3-1. And, and, and now it feels like the Rockets, momentum is BS, but it feels as if the Rockets have bent this series to their will and that the Warriors, with all of these injuries that they have, they're confident because they've been through worse. But man, uh, it, it does feel absolutely different. I'm glad you brought it up because that's what I was feeling the entire time. It feels like the Rockets are in control. Yeah, and you know that Steve Kerr quote about likening them to middle linebackers, he's saying that they're volleyball players. He's basically saying that his team's soft. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't go to that extent. Maybe he didn't want to piss off the team too much. Maybe that would have been a good thing. Maybe it would have been a bad thing. But you read between the lines. It's not hard to, to, to divulge there. I mean, Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala are really the only guys who I thought brought it defensively tonight. Clay Thompson normally does, and there's been – there were single possessions where, you know, he made things tough for James Harden, but he was very uncharacteristic. He was fouling a lot, and unlike other past games where he might have a shooting slump, shots aren't falling, he wouldn't allow it to dictate his defensive play, he allowed it to dictate his defensive play. And the reason really, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Kerr was thinking, you know what, I'm going to sit Clay tonight because he's playing awful. But the problem was they really don't have a bench. And they were trying some combinations at times, and that wasn't working. Um, But I think also what was interesting compared to game three, you saw Steve tighten the screws a little bit. Like I think it was like 747 left in the second quarter. He went back with the death lineup because he did not want to mess around yet. He opened the fourth quarter sitting Katie and Draymond, and that did not work well. He inserted Jordan Bell for seven seconds, and that was seven seconds too long in Steve Kerr's mind. It was, it was actually shocking. Those seven seconds were all you needed to know about where Jordan Bell stands with this because on one end, uh, he, he uh, doesn't help in any way on the offensive end, and they, they pick, put him in there on defense to foul James Harden. Go out there and get a foul. You have a foul to give at the end of the second – was it the second quarter or third quarter? Uh, nevertheless, he goes out there, and he doesn't even get the foul. Andre Iguodala had to foul him. And then on the very next play, they, they, this is a bit more scheme than it is in, in James Harden being smart at basketball. But, uh, you know, they both – they kind of top, top lock – uh, Harden, and so Harden just cuts to the hole, and, and Chris Paul finds him. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really bad seven seconds, and it's those little things that add up. You take into account all of the bad defensive possessions that that Clay Thompson had. There were points where the Rockets were switching on to Clay Thompson. I mean, that's unheard of. The entire Rockets offense was built so that they could get away from Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson was so bad tonight that they're like, no, no, no. Bring us Clay. We want Clay, and it worked because Clay was reaching. He he was he was pressing. I don't. He he was totally out of sorts, and it just compounded and compounded and compounded. And he he was okay down the stretch when the game tightened up a little bit. But ultimately, uh, the reason that the Warriors got back into this game is that Kevin Durant is a supernova. Steph Curry hit a preposterous rainbow three-point shot that really had no business going in except for the fact that he's Steph Curry. I thought Alfonso McKinney gave this team a nice boost in the middle of the fourth quarter by just doing some damn hustle plays for the first time. Um, yeah. And your guy, Kevon Looney, had a little bit of a bounce back game. It was, it was, a, it was a nice game for Kevon, uh, mainly because, but there was one time. He, James Harden drove past Kevon every single time except for one, and he hit one of the most nasty crossover pullbacks I've ever seen. Uh, 
Harden's having his way with Kavan, but Kavan gave you 22 minutes, and none of them particularly terrible. They treaded water with the second unit. They, they, you know, they were able to get something out of the bench. I, I, I thought your point on Clay Thompson, you would have benched Clay Thompson if you had a bench, but they don't, so you have to run them out there. And uh, I, I'm just looking at this. You know, we, we mentioned – let's just go through the injuries here. Andre Godala picks up a left knee injury in this game, very end. I had to tell Steve Kerr about it. It was so late. and uh, I haven't watched the tape, but I certainly saw the play where it had. I haven't watched the tape a lot, so I don't know if Chris Paul was doing something dirty or not. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. That's the first thing you have to think about. There's a lot of things he was doing dirty a little bit. He was trying to lay on the ground to trip Kevin Durant after – I mean, Kevin was – Kevin, knocked him, Kevin knocked him over, but he laid down right where he might be in case he might trip over. Right. I mean, this is this is playoff basketball, and, and you're – playing by the rules of two masters of the dark art. I mean, two of the dirtiest players in the NBA. And the Warriors have the ability to get down and dirty, don't get me wrong. They're just not interested in doing it. And I, I kind of want to push back a little bit on the our team is soft comment from earlier. Yes, that's true. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that's incorrect. But they're also not built for it either. And I think that's it. Even if the Warriors played as hard as they possibly could. They went in and they just decided we're taking scalps tonight and we're going to go out and, and punch and claw and fight. They're still a finesse team. You're still playing Draymond Green at center. And the Rockets, I mean, P.J. Tucker is a human bowling ball. He's got you know arms. He, he probably weighs 400 pounds. He's denser than a black, you know, a, a, a black hole. It, it's incredible watching him out there, and he has dominated both of these games. It doesn't even matter what's on the stat line. Every single offensive and defensive possession, PJ Tucker makes a huge impact. And then we know their bully ball offensive style. Yeah, Dieter, I, I think it's semantics here, but I do want to clarify, like. Yes, they're a finesse team, and no one's going to mistake these guys for the Bad Boys Pistons or the New York Knicks in the 90s. But, you know, to, to the Warriors' credit, they've won championships not only because they've been a good defensive or offensive team, but they've been a great defensive team. And maybe they don't have those enforcers outside of Draymond Green. And, you know, yeah. in the past, one of their centers, whether it was Zaza Pachulia, or David West, but there was like a grittiness and edge mm. that the guys had. And, you know, even Steph Curry, who's not considered an elite defender, he, you know, has an edge. Mm -hmm. Clay has an edge. Andre has an edge. And outside of Draymond and, and Andre, sometimes a little bit of Kevin, I didn't really see that agreed. much of it. hundred percent agreed on that. No, I, I think we're I think we're uh, in cahoots on that. They did not play tough enough tonight at all. But this is not my thought going into games five, six, and perhaps even seven, which is even if they do bring it, if the Rockets continue to bring it. The margin might even favor the Rockets in this series if it comes down to physicality. I'm fascinated to see what the home court whistle is like for the Warriors if they're allowed to dictate the style and pace of the game. That's not something that's easy to do. It might be almost impossible to do against these Houston Rockets because they are so rote and direct in the way that they play basketball. The Rote it after game one, it has been true the entire series since. The Rockets have been able to play their game for all four games. And the Warriors, because they have Kevin Durant, have been able to get away. With, they've won two games by playing the Rockets style. And that is we're switching all the time on defense, which means that it's going to be really hard for you to do motion offense stuff and you know set back screens and run the high pick and roll. You're going to have to isolate just like we isolate. And we're just going to see who can isolate better. And the Rockets are really, really good at it. And the Warriors will – 
They're really good at it too, don't get me wrong, but they're not as good as the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets have been practicing this for 90-something games. And then if, you're also, then if you're taking into account, okay, well, both teams bring the force. Both teams bring the poise. Man, I, I, the Rockets are going to want it more. There's no way, we've seen this in the last two games. They are crazed in beating these Golden State Warriors. They want it so bad. And we have not seen, not once, the want from these Warriors. It better show up in game five, because if it's not there, they don't win game five. It's very hard for me to see them doing what they did last year. It really is. And I just don't think that this team, with all of the BS that they've compartmentalized, all of the things that they've put in the rearview mirror, all of this team's issues compared to what they had last year. They had to come into this series starting the death lineup. They had to come right from game one because they had to do it in game six of a series that they should have taken care of in four in the Clippers. Like, last year there were adjustments you could make, and you can start dropping things off. But you can come in with this notion of, oh, we'll play eight or nine guys, and, you know, everyone will we'll keep our rotations normal, and we can just play our style, and it'll be fine. No, this one, they had to come right from day one. And the Rockets have made adjustments, but it comes down to force. And if it comes down to force with this Golden State Warriors team, I just, I just do not trust them whatsoever against, against a team that is just as good as them. And, and, and frankly, again, if it comes down to physicality, I think that these Rockets are, are better than them in that realm. They'll win that kind of fight. If this is going to be a fight, if this, the rest of the series is going to be a fight that's down in the mud, the Rockets will win it. And um, so it's all about game five, and then we get back to the injuries, which is, it's rough going. I, I, have a, I would not be stunned if Andre Iguodala does not play in game five. That limp was rough looking. I, I walked out with him, and it was just like, whoa. I mean, I, I, I've, that's an injury that would keep you out 10 days at least in the regular season. And he's got to play in 48 hours. Um, that's not good because there's no one to replace him. Yeah, and I mean, they talk about last year how the series would have been much different if Andre Iguodala didn't get hurt. Here's the thing, and this is, this is all relative because the Warriors – got exposed with some of their issues last year when Andre was out. But they had someone in Nick Young who can make a three in game right. seven and, you know, some players that could give them some minutes. And here, outside of Alfonso McKinney at the wing position, I mean, by default, they're going to have to play maybe Quinn no Cook more. Would they go to Jacob Evans? <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. And I literally marked down on my sheet, like, this Jacob Evans draft pick – Holy crap, is that a bad pick? It looks huge right now. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. like There is two elements in play that make this really up in the air. There's a lot of fair concerns about this team right now, but at the end of the day, they have, they have still been within striking distance because Durant's been really good. And Steph and Clay have not been playing well at all. And you think they're two pretty good shooters – a lot of people consider them the best shooting backcourt of all time. At least one or not both of them have to have a bounce-back game. Maybe it's game five in Oakland. I thought that Steph showed at least some signs of progress. Not, the, not enough progress, but at least he was aggressive. He didn't show as many signs of his finger mm -hmm. ailing him. Now, he's still rushing shots. Wasn't good from three. Clay had a really weird, uncharacteristic Clay game. But I think at least one of them are due to have what they normally have. And you could venture to say with all the issues that they had in this game, if one of them hit shots they normally made and they're supposed to, 
be a different outcome. Yeah, no, I mean, the Rockets have given, I would argue, A-plus performances. It feels like more than, maybe not games one and two, but these last two games, this is, is, this is what you're going to get from the Houston Rockets. This is as good as they can, they can perform. Um, Harden, Harden fell apart in the fourth quarter, and this is, this is what I want to get into. I, fatigue is going to be a big factor for both of these teams, obviously. We know that the Warriors are going to have issues because this is now a series that looks like it's going to be played in the mud, and they are really injured, and the Rockets just keep on taking shots at the ribs. And uh, the Warriors are not a team that, that thinks that way, and that could burn them. But um, you know, Durant played 43 minutes again. Draymond played almost 41 minutes. Steph played 43 minutes. Klay Thompson only played 36 minutes because he was in foul trouble in this game. He would have played 45 or something otherwise. Andre got 30, which was Steve being careful. And, and Andre did not have a particularly good game outside of the defensive end. Harden is taking anything he wants when it's not Draymond at the rim and Iguodala on the ball. I mean, Harden is on a different level right now. He is absolutely preposterous. I might hate his game, but you got to respect a superstar doing his absolute best work. This is this is a he's painting a masterpiece of individual isolation offense. That said, I think my dude went uh, three of eleven in the fourth quarter, and the Rockets went one of twelve from beyond the arc in the fourth quarter. When the Warriors are able to get a little bit of pace, the Rockets' legs are not going to be there. So it is about. I don't know what Rick Celebrini is going to do in the next 48 hours to get everybody out there to play. Because, again, if Andre Iguodala can't play, it's done. It's over. There's no way the Warriors win. Because they got eight dudes, and uh, Sean Livingston has given you almost nothing. Uh, Alfonso McKinney, I thought Alfonso McKinney had a nice little spurt. You shouldn't be asking for anything more than spurts from Alfonso McKinney. And Looney, listen, no one's going to talk up Looney more than me. Looney has been fine at best in this series. You have to have Andre Iguodala out there. You cannot run out. I mean, the fact that Quinn Cook didn't play tonight, we go back to the last podcast, not having Damian Jones over Quinn Cook, that's a mistake. Drafting Jacob Evans, that was a mistake. I don't know what Jonas Jurebko can give you, but I guess that would be the guy. If Jonas Jurebko is playing 25 minutes a game in the Western Conference Finals Game 5, you've lost. It's over. I don't care what Stephen Durant do. Yeah, I think this playoff series brought to light, uh, not for the better, but what the Warriors did this offseason. And I think, and this isn't to say that, well, the, the moves haven't panned out, but I think it also, it mainly illustrates the difficulty of how to evaluate, you know, tough options where the Warriors knew what they're signing up for with DeMarcus, the good, the bad, the ugly, but you have a mid-level exception to use for a player that normally would have made max money. It's kind of one of these things like it's too good to pass up. Yeah, you don't think about it too much. But, uh, you know... I don't want to say they made the wrong move because I think you make that nine times out of ten, but that came at the cost of maybe finding a decent wing player that would be useful mm-hmm. in this situation. And then when you're looking at everyone else, I mean, Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell, like they, the reason why they parted with the veterans from last year is that they ran its course. So it's not like things would be better if they were another year older because they probably wouldn't be effective. But they wanted clarity on how well these guys could grow. And yeah. I mean, Jordan Bell hit a ceiling pretty early, and there's a reason why he's not playing. And Kevon Looney, he's grown, but he has a cap to his trajectory. And then, you know, drafting like Jacob Evans, Bob Myers said he drafted him with the thought that he would play minutes, even in the playoffs. Like Larry Harris is talking about, hey, Draymond was talking about the importance of 
not have an 82-game player, but a 16-game player. Well, Jacob doesn't fit either of those. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, it sounds cruel. It sounds cruel, but it's absolutely true. This is a guy that they drafted over players that they kind of liked even more because they thought he can immediately contribute, and he has not done that. I mean, he barely even contributed for Santa Cruz. Right. And then, you know, the other signing, Jonas Terepko, like they knew that he was going to be playing on a limited basis and it's going to be matchup driven. But they're pretty confident that they were able to plug him in and he would just be an energy guy and play different positions, hit a three, defend, get some putbacks. And you've seen spurts of that, but you've also seen the other extreme where it's ugly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is a reflection. Like, not to say that it's hard to make these kind of moves knowing that you only have a mid-level and veterans minimum deals to offer. But you got to hit on these guys if you want to continue the train. And it's too late for adjustments now. Like, if you were going to play Quinn Cook, if you were going to give him some run with the beginning of the second unit, you have to do it tonight because you don't have any room for air now. You lose game five at home, you can't be, that can't be because you tinkered with rotations. you got to roll with your, your war dogs here, and they're all banged up. Um, one final thing in, in before we get out of here, the Rockets shot 53-pointers in this game, mm-hmm. which – It's not outrageous for the Rockets, but if you actually take a step back, uh, it's a completely outrageous number. And the Warriors made nine fewer three-pointers than the Rockets in this game, and the Rockets shot 34%. Steph Curry needs to be better. Klay Thompson needs to be better. But they got to find a way to get some more open looks at three, and they got to start knocking them down because that when you're losing on the boards and you're losing from behind the line, I don't know how they were in this game. Without a doubt. I mean, Steph and Klay need to hit their threes. But this illustrates the contrast from game one and also the philosophical differences that the Warriors and the Rockets have on the mathematical equation of, you know, how valuable a three is even when it's contested versus any open shot. And I think that this still – this might validate the Rockets' math, but it should validate the Warriors' math because, yes, the Rockets are looking at this and they're thinking, okay, we we got more three-point attempts and – it's going to work out in the favor. But it did not help that the Warriors did not adhere to their own philosophies of quality looks, good ball movement, not rushing shots. And whether it was from two or from three, there was a lot of times they just felt like they are chucking it. Kevin Durant's the only guy who should be chucking it right now because he's mostly efficient. Yeah. Uh, until Steph and Clay start building a rhythm, they, they need to make sure that their threes – are a quality look as opposed to just keeping it up there. Couldn't agree with you more. And the number I'm looking for in game number five, the biggest game of the season, bar none. I mean, bigger than game six in that first round by a significant margin. Here's the number, 30. That's the number of assists I want to see from the Golden State Warriors. Because if they can get 30 assists, that means that they have cracked the Rockets' defense to a certain degree. And that they're moving the ball and that they're knocking down some shots. They're really, they're really good from two. I mean, most of that's Kevin, don't get me wrong. But they're not, they missed a couple of bunnies again in this game. Uh, they're missing free throws. There's just, it, these are little things that you can, there's scratches on the car that you can point to. And then you can say, well, the car's totaled. I mean, when it's all said and done, it, this is, it's all about game five. I mean, game five is going to decide this series in my mind. I, I just don't think that this team can come back to this arena. And even if they win, it just I don't think they're getting two off of this team in a row with the way that the series is being played because they're not cracking any code. They got to crack it in five. And that means 
that means that they, they got to move the ball around. That means that they have to get some assists. And uh, I know it's tough, but it's got to happen. And, uh, yeah, what do you think is going to happen in game five? What's your, what's your, what's your vibe here, Mark? I don't, I don't want to put you too much on the spot here, but I, I, I got to hear some reason. Yeah, so here's the thing. I've talked to people around the team and outside of the team, like in the NBA, and they consider the Warriors one of the most unpredictable teams in NBA history this season. So it's very hard to predict which version of the Warriors you're going to see. But I think because they do feel the pressure, ironically, unlike playing at home before where they didn't feel challenged, right now they feel challenged and they could use that energy from the home crowd. I think that they are going to prevail, but I don't know if that actually ensures that they're all of a sudden in control of the series. Here's why. If they come back here, all of a sudden those advantages go away. And there might be a scenario where Steph and Clay just have one of their nights, but it doesn't solve all the other fundamental things as far as any injury concerns to Iguodala or any other things with their top-heavy lineup. doesn't solve the fundamental issues with their bench. doesn't solve the fundamental issues that the Rockets have been beating them to the boards. Maybe Draymond, he's been talking about, hey, it's on him to lead everyone. I think he's been doing his part, but he's just trying to take ownership. Maybe that entices guys to fight on the boards. But just because I think the Warriors will prevail in game five, I don't think that that means the series is over. Agree with you there, um, because the Rockets, if, if they, they can only view it individual game at a time because each game takes so much energy for them. The Warriors have been a big macro team all year. For To ask them to really lock down and focus on one individual game, I don't think they have a choice in this at, at this juncture, but um, it's going to be interesting to see if that they have that ability. I mean, honestly, because uh, it just seems, I mean, their focus wanes. They got ADD. It's a team with ADD. It's just looking left, looking right. They don't know what's going on. And even if they get a comfortable lead early in game five, not, not a chance that that thing holds. I mean, just in the sense of these Rockets are steady. They're tenacious. They are crazed. They want to beat these Warriors so damn bad. And that's just a fire that th these Warriors cannot match. There's a little bit of entitlement with this Warriors team that they, they are so much more talented than everybody else that they are that they should win it so long as they're right. That's probably true, but coming 100% is something that has been fleeting if we've seen it at all from this team. And uh, I hope that they've been saving it up for a moment like Wednesdays. It is going to be one fascinating basketball game. Could be the could very well be the penultimate episode in this dynasty, uh, and they always say the penul penultimate episode of any series. Uh, it's the best one. Right, and here's another thing to watch. I saw a, a development for the worse with both teams, but it seemed to affect the Warriors more. Mm. Where they're they're pledging in game two not to complain about the officiating that went out the window. Number one, number two, they got in foul trouble, but also they seem to be very frustrated with all the calls and I'm wondering to what extent that might carry over into the series because the the, the Rockets you know actually in fairness like the fouls have been equal yeah. for all the debate of wrong call or bad call and I'm sure both teams will say they're 100 percent right uh, they've been pretty equal at the free throw line but within that I'm curious which team handles the frustration more I think there's a difference between complaining to the refs which both teams do versus allowing that to influence everything else and seem like that hurt the Warriors more.
It leads into something I've been saying all year, which is uh, if this team really does face adversity and things are not going their way and it feels like it, the world's up against them, I don't know if this team has the character to get over it. They say that they do. Their history would indicate that they do. But given all of the nonsense that's happened with this team this year and all the stuff that they've just been able to put in the back burner and where we're at with this team on the four- or five-year scale, they could very well fall apart. Or we're about to tap into something that we haven't seen yet, and it's going to be a blinding surf supernova. Either way, I'm down for watching it happen. It's like <laughs> you want to talk about a game you want to watch. Whatever you have on your calendar, clear it out. Game five is going to be one of the best basketball games you will ever see. I'm marking a guarantee. It doesn't mean it's going to look good. It doesn't mean it's going to be aesthetically pleasing. But you are going to have two teams going absolutely all out, two teams that have animosity and vitriol and a boatload of talent. We're going to find out who the better team is on Wednesday night, and then they're going to have to prove it again in a couple days. But, uh, yeah, the series is going six at the minimum. I said before it, seven, and I did not feel good about the Warriors in seven. Still don't feel good about the Warriors in seven. I'm t I, I, home court advantage is a thing. It's going, to be, it's going to be so much fun, Mark. It's going to be so much fun. I'm not happy we have to come back to Houston. There was a moment in the back of my head that said, we're going to get off easy here. But yeah, You know what? We get, we get to go back to the marquee. It's true. I'm so excited about the marquee. I took an early flight in, a late flight out. Uh, but because we get to enjoy the Texas-shaped lazy river, it's a real thing. Feel free, feel free to Google it. Um, get the marquee on, on Friday and Saturday. But, man, this is, this is everything you could have asked for and more as a casual fan. Uh, I'm fascinated to see the performances that these guys put on on Friday, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday, uh, and also Friday, but Wednesday with it being such a pivotal contest to this series and likely going to go a very long way to determining not just this series, but probably the Western Conference champion as well. We can get into the overall attrition going into the next round for whoever wins. Um, let's see what the Warriors have. Let's see. Let's Let's see. I'm not optimistic about them, but I'm not an optimistic person. I want to. I want to see. I want to see, see what this moment does for a championship team. They have been talking the talk all year. Let's see them walk the walk, and hopefully, they're not limping too much. Yeah, I don't know if I, I'm opening Pandora's box here, but I, I want to get your thoughts real quick. What do, What do you make of the Draymond Harden incident tonight? The one where James Harden smacked him on the face. Thank you. I, I was tweeting about this. Yeah, James Harden clearly punched him in the face. Like, that's what he does. I, I wasn't even, like, upset. It wasn't, like, this shocking thing. James Harden does that crap all the time. That's what he does. It's James Harden. And I, I do need to clarify something because I, I tweeted the play-by-play -play of this. I got no stake in this. Like, I covered two teams. I do not care if the Warriors win. I do not care if they lose. I care because of crap like that. I just want a good story. But I had mentioned, and I hope you can back me up on this, yeah. It was very distasteful that Draymond gets hit by Harden. He smacks his head on the floor. And Rockets fans are yelling, Draymond sucks, yeah. right? Game two, when, when Draymond was yes. poked him in the eye. No one booed. I don't want to say no one, but That's the vast yeah. majority were silent. Yeah. And I can't be adamant about it enough to the dumb people on social media who are Rockets <laughs> fans that are saying, oh, we heard the booing on TV. Just because there might be some people in the upper deck that were yeah. booing does not mean the entire arena was booing. They were actually very silent. 
and very quiet. So this is the first day I had to use the mute button. Like, I don't care about oh, social yeah. media, but I had to mute it for, just for the sake because it was ruining the productivity. This series has gotten intense. Mark Medina's muting people on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I will back you up on this. I will take it a step further. I remember a round of applause for James Harden when he walked off the court. It might have been a Bronx cheer on saying, hey, finally, we got this guy off the court. But it, I thought it was a respectful thing. I'm not one of these our fans are better than their fans things. But um, yeah, the, these people are angry. Uh, there, there's like I'm, tell, I'm telling you straight up, there's a visceral anger around this Rockets team. They want it so bad. Their eyes are James Harden red with rage. <laughs> just, just they want it so bad you can feel it. They're foaming at the mouth, and um, th these Warriors have messed them up. They, I mean, they're, I know that the statement is so overused, and I'm sure you heard it about a hundred times today on Twitter. You're living in your head rent free. All these Warriors, Daryl Morey was 100% right. They are obsessed with beating the Warriors, and credit to them. I don't know who else you would be obsessed with beating. Um, but I've never, I've never seen this level of concentrated rage for a rival. I mean, they, they are rabid. And um, the, the team is feeding off of that. They fed off of it at home. When you got a guy, you got a war daddy like P.J. Tucker on the team, it plays in all the time. Harden was awesome the last two games, even if he sucked in the fourth quarter. Uh, some of the stuff that he can do is incredible. Home court whistle is going to be huge in game five. I guarantee it. Again, the Warriors, they, Steve Kerr, it was a beautiful line. It was kind of nonsensical because I watched the same game he did, and I'm not really sure where he's coming from. They did rush shots, but that wasn't the difference in the game. The difference in the game was they didn't hustle hard enough. Um, he said, I, I liked our energy, but when you – bring the energy, you also have to bring poise. That is 100% true. Was not the reason they lost tonight's game, even though that was Steve Kerr's allegation, but they got to bring the poise in game five. That is for sure. And that's why he said they have to bring the force, too. Force, poise, they got to bring it all. I mean, they got to leave it all out there and see where the chips fall uh, going into a game six. It's going to be an absolutely awesome game five. Uh, hopefully, there's no bloodlust in the crowd. Uh, I know we're going to get it when we come back to Houston for that game six. Uh, but game five, you're going to want to read everything that we got coming out. We are not going to sleep between now and game five. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to bring you. Uh, so you got to get the clay deal. You're going to be pumping up on that paywall. Easy, easy. You're probably already there. We're not even that far into the month. You're, it's over. I don't know how. I don't know how you got away with it. Clay deal. Eleven cents a day. Eleven months. You're not. You're not beating it. You're not beating it. Every moment from this moment on is going to feel huge. You don't want to miss a thing. We're going to bring it to you at the Bay Area News Group. You got to follow Mark on Twitter. I don't know why you haven't. And if you have, you know that that apparently he's an equal opportunity muter today. I mean. <laughs> He's he's getting into it with Rockets fans. Mark Medina's in the he's he's in the heat of the moment in this series. Mark G underscore Medina on Twitter. You got to do it and, and do it now. I got to clarify. I'm not in the heat of the moment. It was more like, hey, I'm on deadline. I can't keep having all these notifications. I'm gonna mute dumb comments. Mark versus Houston. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. No, Mark is uh, the most even keeled guy. Even Clay wishes that he could be as even keeled as Mark Medina. And Mark had a much better performance on Clay tonight. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. I don't know why, but you could uh, at D Kurtenbach. And uh, listen, if you made it this far and you haven't thrown your phone or your smart speaker or whatever through a window or out your car, uh, if you've made it this far, you might as well go on and review us and rate us and tell a friend 
better or worse. Like, hey, have you heard of these guys? Well, I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but you know, sometimes people like to look at car crashes or listen to them. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, Google, new ones that come out every day. Hit us up on Twitter, we'll tell you where you can find it. Tell a friend and get your calendar cleared for game five Wednesday night at Oracle Arena. We cannot wait to talk to you after that one. God, it's gonna be fun. Talk to you then.